Welcome to the MS Education podcast series. Thank you for joining me. I'm Nicola Graham, and in each episode, we're going to be joined by an expert to discuss strategies for living well with MS. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Lucinda Black, a Senior Research Fellow at the School of Public Health, Curtin University. Lucinda's a nutritional epidemiologist with a particular interest in vitamin D, diet, and risk of onset and progression of multiple sclerosis. She's a recipient of the MS Research Australia Postdoctoral Fellowship to investigate dietary risk factors for MS and early disease progression. And Cindy is also lead investigator on two vitamin D projects funded by the NHMRC. So very warm welcome, Lucinda. Hi, Nicola. Thanks for that lovely introduction. It's great to be here to talk about diet and MS. Let's jump straight in, Cindy. I'd like to ask you about what you have already discovered from your research. Later, I'd love to ask you about what you're currently working on. But let's start with what your research has shown to date. Well, I've been researching diet as a potential risk factor for MS. Uh, So to do this, I've been using information from an Australian study. And that study involved recruiting people with first signs of MS, around 300 people, and also recruiting healthy participants without MS. Now, all of those participants completed a questionnaire on what they'd been eating in the previous year. So using that information, we've been able to test whether diet might be a risk factor for MS. And we've seen some interesting results from that study, suggesting that diet might play a role in the development of MS. For example, we found much lower risk of MS in those following a healthy diet that was high in fish, poultry, eggs, and vegetables, and was also low in processed foods. We also looked at specific foods, and we found that higher consumption of fish, particularly oily fish, and higher consumption of unprocessed red meat were linked to lower risk of MS. We've also found that higher consumption of ultra-processed foods was linked with higher risk of MS, and we saw no link between dairy and risk of MS. So that suggests that those at high risk of MS don't need to avoid dairy. Now, these results are specifically about risk of MS. They don't necessarily reflect dietary factors that might be important for people who already have MS. So these factors might not affect disease progression. Okay, that's great. That's really good to know. So fish, eggs, chicken, vegetables showed some protection, if I'm correct, and then higher fish consumption, particularly oily fish. And by oily fish, Cindy, what type of fish do you mean by that? So oily fish uh, would include salmon, mackerel, sardines, and tuna. And Mm -hmm. people can eat those fish as tinned fish and they will still get the beneficial nutrients from those fish. So it's uh, it's likely to be omega-3 and vitamin D that uh, might be the important components in the oily fish. Uh, You don't get so many of those nutrients in the white fish. Okay, that's great to know. Thanks for being specific and also to know that you can have tinned fish and still get that protection. And then unprocessed red meat. So I'm assuming that means don't eat the salamis and the sausages and and things like that. Is that correct? 
Well, that is correct. So when we say unprocessed red meat, it's really the whole meat that you would buy from the butcher and let's say beef, lamb and pork that hasn't been processed into say sausages, bacon and those other processed meats you mentioned like salami. Those processed meats have been linked to various other health conditions. We didn't find this, but in other studies, higher processed meat consumption has been linked to higher risk of MS. So is this the project that you're currently researching and how is this going to translate into helping the MS community? Well, what I'm doing now actually is I'm using the same study, but where the participants with MS were followed for 10 years. So we have diet information now from three time points from about 300 people. So the first time point is the baseline when they were first recruited. We have the same diet measure at five years and then 10 years after they were first recruited. So we're able to look at diet over time and how that changes over time and how their disease progression is going over time. The statistics are actually quite complicated for this type of analysis, and it's in the very early stages. So what we've looked at so far is the link between ultra-processed foods and disability, and it does seem to be that a link between higher consumption of those foods and higher disability in people with MS. So these are very preliminary findings, though, and there might be other factors to take into account, such as education. But we do think that ultra-processed foods overall might be important because they have been linked with other health outcomes, uh, things like obesity, heart disease, and cancer. But as far as I know, there's no evidence yet around these foods and MS. So these foods are mainly or entirely industrial ingredients. In other words, they're not whole foods. They're usually uh, convenient, very highly palatable, profitable and often aggressively marketed, but unfortunately they're low in nutrients. And then they take the place in your diet of other more nutritious whole foods. The list is quite extensive for these foods. So some of them, some examples are savory snacks and confectionery, packaged breads and pastries, breakfast cereals, ready meals, processed meat, which we've mentioned, uh, soft drinks, energy drinks, um, for example. So as I said, these are only preliminary findings so far, and hopefully over the coming year or two, we'll have some more findings from this study about what foods and nutrients might be beneficial for people with MS. Cindy, there are so many different popular MS-specific diets. I know it can be really confusing for our listeners. What foods do all the different diets, for example, the Australian Dietary Guidelines, Terry Walls, the Gel Neck Overcoming MS, for example, is there anything that they all agree on? Uh, yes, it can be very confusing for people to know whether or not they should be following a special diet, and if so, which one. Uh, some of the main ones like the Swank Diet, the Overcoming MS Diet, and the McDougal Diet, which is vegan, emphasize low saturated fat intake, while the Walls diet, which is a modified paleo diet, that's very high in vegetables and animal protein is encouraged. So although Walls doesn't consider her diet a high protein diet, she does consider it a sufficient protein diet. And she's not so concerned about saturated fat as long as it's from natural sources. So the the saturated fat does form one of the main differences between those various diets. 
But when you look at what they all promote or discourage, they are all promoting higher vegetable intake. And all of them are suggesting avoiding processed foods. And these factors might be key. As a population, we get around 30% of our energy from processed foods, and it should be much less than this. And generally, as a population, people don't eat enough vegetables. So although the special diets eliminate various foods and food groups, depending on the diet, those um, types of foods may not need to be eliminated. It might be more important to make sure your diet consists of whole foods and not processed foods. And this is true for the general population, not just for people with NS. So there is clearly some things that all the diets agree on, which is whole foods, plenty of vegetables, cut out the processed foods. That's correct. Yeah, that does seem to be a pattern across all the diets. And I have spoken to people with MS who followed um, various of these diets, and they often say they feel better on the diet. And it's not surprising because if we do cut out processed foods from our diet and replace them with whole foods, it's quite likely that people will feel healthier. Though it might not be that you have to count saturated fat or exclude this food or that food. It might just be that you need an overall whole food diet. Great. Okay. And Cindy, what evidence is there to support dietary changes and supplementation? Is, is there any solid evidence already in existence? Well, surprisingly, there's no strong evidence yet. There have only been a handful of trials in humans testing diets like the vegan or the paleo diet. And they were very small studies with various uh, design flaws. So there are no conclusive results um, on any of these dietary programs for people with MS. I'll give you an example just to indicate what kind of studies are being done. Um, the WALS protocol was tested in 34 people with MS. And they were randomly allocated to follow either the WALS diet or their usual diet for three months. Now, they did see improvements in fatigue and quality of life in the diet group compared with the control group. But there was a really high rate of dropouts in the study, around 50%. So at the end, there were only 17 people in the study, which means only eight or nine of those following the WALS diet. So you can see how we can't make recommendations for millions of people with MS based on a study with only eight or nine people in the diet group. So we can't say that that study has given us conclusive evidence. There have been more trials using supplements rather than dietary programs, um, things like omega-3 and antioxidants. But again, the trials so far have been relatively small and certainly the findings are inconclusive. So there's no evidence yet to say that people with MS should make any specific dietary change other than following a healthy diet with whole foods, just as for the general population. That's good to know. Thanks, Lucinda. Also, I know you work with um, studying vitamin D and sunlight. So what's the evidence showing us about vitamin D, sunlight and multiple sclerosis? Well, there's fairly strong and consistent evidence that higher sun exposure and higher vitamin D levels are linked to lower risk of MS. And this has been well studied over decades. However, in people who already have MS, the evidence is less conclusive. 
a couple of years ago, there was a systematic review published and those authors uh, trawled the literature for any studies that were done in humans comparing vitamin D supplementation with a placebo supplement. They found 12 trials that had been conducted in humans and overall there was no effect of vitamin D supplementation on relapse or progression of MS. But the authors did note that the evidence was very low quality and there are at least seven ongoing studies that will provide more evidence on any link between vitamin D and MS progression. But regardless of its effect on MS, it is important for everyone to ma maintain good vitamin D levels to their general health. And that's at least 50 nanomoles per litre year round, even during winter when vitamin D levels are likely to be at their lowest. Because vitamin D is really important for bone health and muscle health, and perhaps even for other conditions such as depression and fatigue. Unfortunately, there are very few sources of vitamin D in the diet. The best is oily fish. Uh, if your doctor tests vitamin D and it comes back low, they might suggest a supplement. Uh, if you already have good vitamin D levels, probably taking vitamin D supplements isn't needed. And as we know that sun exposure is important for other processes in the body, not just for producing vitamin D, it's also a good idea to get some sun exposure on most days of the week, just as long as you don't get sunburned and as long as you use sun protection when you need it. So if people are wondering how much sun to get, the best thing to do is to follow the Cancer Council guidelines for your specific region. Because obviously the recommendations will vary by region, by latitude and by season. I think that's really important for our listeners to have healthy amounts of sun exposure on as much of your skin as possible, but being very careful because of skin cancer risk to do that carefully. So to refer to the Cancer Council there. So definitely not to burn your skin. That's right. Yeah. And finally, Lucinda, what's up and coming in the field of nutritional epidemiology with regards to MS and diet research? What can we look forward to? Well, this whole research field has taken off in the last decade, which is brilliant because there are so many studies happening now that will provide much better evidence around diet for people with MS. So when I looked at uh, clinicaltrials.gov, it's a website where researchers register their trials. There were nearly 90 human trials on diet and MS registered around the world looking at all sorts of things like the ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting, paleo, and various supplementation studies. And some of them are very high quality and will provide much stronger evidence than we currently have. So these are all ongoing at the moment. Uh, I'll give you an example of an Australian study that's running currently. It's called the RELIEF trial. And that will test whether supplementation with specific antioxidants and vitamins might help reduce fatigue and depression in people with MS. So I believe that study is currently recruiting. They're recruiting 150 people with MS, and then those people will be randomized to take the nutritional supplement or a placebo supplement for four months. And the supplements contain a combined set of nutrients that support mitochondrial function. So the mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells. They produce energy. 
So it is possible that these supplements might help reduce fatigue in people with MS by supporting the mitochondria. Another study of interest is happening in America. And this is one by Terry, Terry Walls. And she's running a study comparing the Walls diet and the Swank diet. She's recruiting 100 people with MS. Uh, so they'll be randomized to follow one or, or the other diet to six months. And then she'll look at outcome measures of fatigue and mental health. Now, this is a much bigger study than her previous studies on the Walls diet. So hopefully there should be some interesting results from this study and from the release trial in the next few years. We also have a PhD student, Rebecca Russell. Uh, she's here at Curtin University and she's developing a diet education program specifically for people with MS. So this program will be designed to address the questions that many people have about diet and it will be tailored specifically for people with MS. So she will be piloting that education program next year. That sounds very exciting. That's really great to know. So how do our listeners keep up to date with research? Where do they go to find out this information? Well, many of the MS organizations, uh, such as MS Australia, MS Research Australia, for example, provide summaries of new research articles on their websites and in newsletters. And because diet is such a hot topic and there's a lot of interest in it, the articles on diet generally get summarized either on those websites or in newsletters. So checking the websites or signing up to the newsletters from MS organizations is a good place to start. MS Research Australia has also developed a fantastic guide for people with MS on lifestyle factors. And that guide is available freely online from their website. And it covers many different lifestyle factors, including diet, and also things like gut health, smoking, exercise, uh, obesity, and other lifestyle factors that are important for people with MS. So that's a good place for people to go just to get um, an idea about the latest evidence around lifestyle factors and also some tips. Fantastic. That's great to know, Lucinda. So if our listeners head to the MSRA, MS Research Australia website, that would be a great point of contact for them. That's right. Lucinda, thank you so much for coming in and doing the podcast with me today. Really appreciate all the work you're doing and all the research around diets. Much appreciated. Thanks for your time. Lovely. Thanks very much, Nicola. It's been lovely to be here to talk about diets. Thanks, Lucinda. For more information on anything we've covered today, please get in touch with MS Connect on free call 1800 042 138 or email msconnect at ms.org.au. And don't forget to find the MS podcast on your favorite podcast player such as Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, or you can access the podcast directly from our website, ms.org.au.